there. You are listening to IWG Radio, the place to be for all of your wellness needs. Hosted by functional medicine physician, Dr. Nicole Rivera and functional medicine nutritionist, Brooke Scheller. We just want to take a moment to thank you so much for listening and just let you know that any of the information that is provided is strictly for an educational resource and is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. The lifestyle interventions discussed should not be used as a substitute for any type of conventional medical therapy. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Integrative Wellness Radio. I am Dr. Nicole Rivera and I am here today with Brooke Scheller, our functional medicine nutritionist. And we are really excited to talk to you about why you are craving sugar. We always say, it's not you. It's your yeast. <laughs> and we'll explain a little bit more about what we're talking about. But there is a, a lot of reasoning actually behind why we are experiencing such urges for sugar, especially if it's after a meal and we're really feeling like we need that piece of chocolate or if it's just craving sugar all day. Because I know there are some of us out there that really feel like the sugar cravings are uncontrollable and we almost beat ourselves up a little bit, not understanding why we don't have the discipline but uh, when you have sugar in the system uh, due to just an overuse maybe as a kid, it does create biochemical changes that can then lead to those serious cravings later on. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting working in clinical practice because we see people all the time and they say, well, I, have, I just have a sweet tooth. I've always been that way. And it's become somewhat normal that we say, oh, well, you know, I've just got a sweet craving or man, that ice cream looks really good. And I think we've kind of made that a standard in our society that, you know, you have dessert or you have something sweet when you think you, you know, deserve a treat or something like that. And the fact is that there is some underlying reason as to why you might be craving that. It's not necessarily that you would, you might always crave that if we kind of work through some different things together. So that's kind of why we wanted to talk to you today and tell you about some of the other maybe symptoms that might be associated with um, you know, the sugar cravings and what might be the underlying cause of that. Well, like I said before, we, uh, we always make a little joke with people and we say, it's not you, it's your yeast. And um, usually that will come up in the context of talking about, you know, what are some of the things that they feel like they struggle with. And usually it comes up that they have really bad sugar cravings that especially after almost any meal they eat, they feel like they need a, something a little bit sweet. Um, or they really can't give up their sugary drinks if it's going to be iced tea, if it's Snapple, if it's soda, whatever it is. Um, and then they also might find that if they start eating a carbohydrate like bread or pasta, it just throws them into a whole snowball of I can't stop eating the carbs. And they might go on a binger for about a week and then then they feel like, okay, I got to get, get on track and I need to stop eating this stuff because I'm not feeling well from it. So a lot of those things happen when we actually have yeast overgrowth in our gastrointestinal system. And it's such an interesting thing because the yeast is actually fed by sugars and carbs, but then it also causes us to crave sugar and carbs. So when we're young, I feel like at least in the American diet, we have a tendency of gravitating more towards these sugary, carb-heavy uh, substances and foods. So we might be having chocolate milk. We might be even having regular milk, which actually has more sugar in it than we realize. We might be drinking soda occasionally, especially if we go out for pizza. 
Um, we might also be doing more pastas because at the end of the day, think about the kids menu. It's either breaded protein, chicken fingers, or it's going to be grilled cheese, bread, or it's going to be pasta and butter. So we're literally feeding these kids sugar and fat. So if we're eating these things, which are pretty normal, unfortunately, then we tend to now have this yeast being fed within our gastrointestinal system because all of us have a little bit, which is, is a normal thing. But if it starts to be fed and it starts to overgrow is when it becomes problematic because the yeast is something that, again, will cause you to have cravings, but it will also cause you to hit plateaus for when you're like, I need to get on track, I need to get healthier, I need to cut down on my sugars and my carbs and I need to eat healthier. And then you find yourself really struggling and ravenous and like, I can't do this. And it's really because you're almost putting that yeast into starvation mode and it always wins. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of times people say, you know, I just don't have the willpower. I don't have the willpower to make the changes because, you know, I really like my sugar. I always have such extreme cravings. But when we start to go in and start to eliminate some of the yeast, it can actually be really helpful for people in controlling their sugar cravings and cutting back on that. Yeah, and I'll never forget one of our clients. Um, she actually attended a talk that I gave. And, you know, there was a woman in the crowd and she was inquiring about her mom who was a little bit older and she was kind of set in her ways. And uh, she was talking about how her mom had a really serious sugar uh, addiction. And she was like, it's impossible for her to give it up. And I was like, she's like, where would you start her? And I was like, well, you know, we would start to make minor modifications to the diet. And then we can actually move into doing some supplements and things like that once she gets more acclimated. And my patient, she actually stood up from the crowd and she goes, can I interject? And uh, she pretty much said, there's no way I would have been able to make any dietary changes unless I took the supplements that helped me to get rid of my yeast so that it could combat those cravings and I actually could be more disciplined. And, um, and it was really such an eye-opening thing because she is someone who struggled a lot with being able to make dietary changes. And she was unsuccessful because nobody ever really addressed the fact that the yeast was so overgrown in her body. And that was a huge trigger for her going back to a diet that she knew wasn't good for her. Yeah. Yeah, well, with that being said, what are some of the other symptoms that might be associated with yeast overgrowth? Because it's definitely not just sugar cravings. Definitely. Um, I think that when I go through my consult, people are always kind of looking at me funny, like, why is she asking all these questions? And I will always circle back and have them understand why I'm, I'm asking these questions. But if somebody's complaining about bloating, and then they're also talking about sugar cravings, my mind automatically goes to, okay, this pot person potentially has yeast in their gut. So then from there, I usually will follow up with questions like, have you had a history of yeast infections? Obviously more in reference to a female. Um, have you had a history of nail fungus or athlete's foot? Uh, do you have any problems with itchy skin or eczema? Uh, and then I always ask, do you also have a history of UTIs, also known as urinary tract infections? Because when you talk about the reproductive area for males or females, 
Um, they're very, it's very, very close to the intestines and the colon where the yeast would reside. So it's very common that you will also have an overlap with infections either in the vaginal tract or even with the male reproductive organs. You could potentially have yeast in those areas and then sometimes bacteria on top of that. But the biggest manifestations that we see is definitely nail fungus that doesn't really go away. The person maybe keeps losing the nail. Um, and then they also will experience um, bloating especially when you eat, you know, too much pasta, too much bread. And I think that that's a normal now. It's like, oh, well, I should have ate that, so I'm bloated. So that's just kind of what it is. And that's not really how it works. You should be able to tolerate good quality carbohydrates to a capacity. But if you're getting extremely bloated and uncomfortable, you probably overate, but also you could potentially have yeast in your gut as well. Um, so when it comes to the skin, I know that I mentioned eczema and definitely um, some itching of the skin, but uh, some people, and I find this more in women, that they get these uh, large red rashes that are almost like damp type rashes. Um, and these will usually reside in uh, warm areas. So maybe underneath the breast or underneath the armpits or even in the groin area. And those are usually indicators of yeast as well. So how about, how would somebody know that they have yeast? Well, there's aside a, from the symptoms, of course. There's a couple of ways you can go about testing, and um, de definitely first and foremost, the best test is going to be a, a stool analysis. Um, but the thing is, is when you do the stool analysis, it's going to give you a lot of information about what's happening in the gastrointestinal system. Unfortunately, if somebody has had yeast for many years. Um, I mentioned earlier about being a kid and we kind of eat a lot of carbs and sugars. It's just what we do, unfortunately. But if you were a kid who ate a lot of that stuff and then gave it up as you got older, you could potentially have still had yeast in your gut for 10, 15, 20 years. Um, so with that, if it's been there a very long time, it can actually escape from the gut and get into your blood. And that is when you start to see those other manifestations in the skin, again, in the um, reproductive organs, the vaginal tract, or even the nails. So you can definitely do the stool sample, which is going to give you a lot of information about the yeast and the type of yeast. Um, and then you can also follow up with a blood test and you can look at something called candida antibodies. And the candida antibodies will give you some information if uh, candida yeast has also in, been in the bloodstream. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of different types of yeast other than candida. I think candida is just one that we've heard of more often than others. But um, definitely make sure that if you do embark on testing or you do really resonate with these symptoms, make sure to listen to our other podcast about the myths on the candida diet because it is, it is very, very important to be clear on the best way to work on the yeast um, and the Unfortunately, the candida diet is a little outdated with the research, and you really need to be strategic. Yeah, and I like that you mentioned that there are so many different strains because I think that candida is kind of this umbrella term. It's become this kind of like hot topic type of thing, and you know, you could do a quick Google search on that, and you will find a ton of information about the myths and, and things, or not, I'm sorry, not the myths, but the diet and different things that you can do um, at home to kind of eliminate that. With that being said, I kind of want to talk about, you know, you mentioned supplementation. So what is going to be kind of the, the management protocol for that? Is it supplements? Is it diet? You know, what are the big uh, changes there? A hundred percent, it's a combo of both. 
Um, before going into that, I want to make a quick disclaimer too, because this is a mistake that I even made in the beginning of my practice is, um, you know, because so many people are struggling with these sugar cravings and they're struggling with bloating and gastrointestinal discomfort. Um, most people have yeast to be really honest with you. I don't, we don't have that many people that we test that don't have yeast in their system. But the biggest thing is, is someone who has really severe symptoms of all the things that we've talked about, they also end up showing up with a high abundance of yeast in their labs. Um, there is a strong possibility that they have a co-infection with parasites. So that's really something to consider as well as if you are someone who did do the candida diet or you did do a candida supplement protocol and you feel like that didn't help you, then you need to consider that there is also parasites in the gastrointestinal system and definitely listening to some of our other podcasts in reference to the signs and symptoms of parasites. Um, and that could give you a lot of clarity. Yeah, because I think some of those symptoms are overlapping as well with regard to maybe hiving and things like that. Definitely. You could definitely have skin manifestations with the parasites, but you'll have um, a little bit more discomfort, um, pain in the abdomen, especially before a bowel movement. And um, you might find yourself having more loose bowel movements as well, or going in between constipation and loose. Um, so when it comes to the management, uh, again, definitely reference the myths on the candida diet because we talk a lot about what is the best diet. But the biggest thing when you're trying to get rid of candida is you do not need to go sugar-free with your diet. You just need to cut out the bad sugars and carbs. So making sure you're not doing anything that's overly processed and making sure you're keeping the inflammatory foods out. So you actually really don't want to be doing tons of fruit. You don't want to be eating tons of beans. You don't want to be having tons of grains, like even the quinoas and the rices and the lentils. Um, so sticking with more of an anti-inflammatory diet, a great resource is the Eat For Your Gut Cookbook by myself. Um, you can check that out on Amazon and at least get some guidelines as to what the diet entails, but also having recipes as your resource. Um, when it comes to supplements, the biggest thing to understand is yes, there are different like uh, Candex and Candesol and all of things that are obviously being marketed towards Candida, but you absolutely need to consider um, making sure that you're having enzyme support in there. So like one of the enzymes we use is called Interphase Plus. Um, the enzymes help to break down the walls so that you can more efficiently get rid of the yeast. And then using some antimicrobials, um, the top one that we use is grapefruit seed extract, which is also known as paramicrocidin. So those are going to be two products that can work really, really well. Um, but again, getting the testing allows you to know if there is other things that are appropriate for you, as well as if you also need to treat the co-infection of parasites. And the, the stool analysis is really great too, because if they do culture strains of candida or other yeast, they will actually test them against which natural antimicrobials are the most effective. Mm -hmm. So for example, one of the big ones on the internet is oregano oil that it's so great for yeast and helps to eliminate yeast in the gut. Well, when we see that analysis, I don't think we've ever seen oregano oil being effective. It's typically some of those other, um, like a grapefruit seed extract or something like that. So just be cautious in knowing, you know, if you try something and it doesn't work, there might be something else to it. I'm really glad that you brought that up because 
I hear about people taking oil of oregano all the time for their immune system, you know, for their gut and a variety of other things. And uh, like you said, with the testing that we use, I very rarely see the oil of oregano being effective. So um, again, don't be discouraged if you embarked on making changes or taking supplements and you feel like it didn't work. It just may have not been the right thing for your body. Yeah, so with that being said, we love to always offer a free 15-minute strategy call with one of our clinicians. It's a great opportunity to discuss, you know, anything that you're struggling with if you feel like you're relating to any of this and how we might be able to help. So you can head over to integrativewellnessgroup.com to do that. And as always, please subscribe to us on iTunes and feel free to rate us, write us a rating and a review. Thank you so much.